You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a presentation given by NISAC legislative staff highlighting the impact on counties of the recently proposed 2021-2022 Executive State Budget. Dave Lucas, Director of Finance and Intergovernmental Affairs, is joined by Legislative Director Ryan Gregoire to provide this update. For additional in-depth resources from NISAC on the state budget, visit nysac.org forward slash NYS budget. The budget was released earlier this week. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of open questions. It, it's not too dissimilar to last year where there's um, a lot of reliance on the federal government coming through uh, with funds to help alleviate the situation. But up front, um, since the last update was provided by the state and the financial plan, the two-year gap, the 2021 gap we're dealing with now in the proposed 22 budget, the gap is about 15 billion. That's about half of what it was six months ago. Um, so the gap for 2021 is close to 5 billion and you have about 10 billion for the coming year. Most of this is due to uh, more revenue than was anticipated. Uh, mainly personal income tax has been holding pretty strong through this. Um, it's very far below what was anticipated before the pandemic began, but what they built into the budget was very conservative and the numbers have come in a bit higher and personal income tax as well as sales tax for the state. The other benefit is um, the availability of federal aid. Now, this federal aid is not unrestricted aid, but it's highly flexible and it's allowed the, the, the governor to supplant um, state resources with federal dollars. So it has dramatically cut the current year gap. Um, so that's a positive thing, uh, but we still have a big gap um, and we're heavily reliant on federal assistance. As Ed mentioned, on the revenue side, the, the budget's projecting a $40 billion shortfall, shortfall in revenue uh, based off of what they were anticipating last February. Last February, you know, the pandemic had not really hit our shores um, and the revenue decline, even after this more robust figure has been announced, we're still $40 billion short of what we were projecting over four years. So that's the hole that has to be filled. That's, that's what everybody's struggling with is how do we fill that hole? Um, and there's, this is what the budget is proposing to do. So basically the governor's closing out the 21 budget um, using the resources that are on the table. So he's taking the enhanced FMAP that he got, the flexible funding from the feds. Uh, he's using the higher revenue numbers that have come in. Um, he's reducing the size of the withhold against local governments from 20% to 5%. Uh, and so you understand that he's been withholding 20% from a lot of different line items for counties. Um, that money is supposed to be released sometime during the first quarter of the calendar year. So as you're dealing with your closeout for 2021, these revenues are supposed to be released. We don't have an exact date. We are in discussions with DOB about timing on that, but that's a positive thing, but we're still facing a 5% cut. So that they wanted to close out 2021, so they had a clean slate for 2022. 
Um, and this is where we get into the contingency plans the governor talked about in his budget proposal. He's assuming in a worst case scenario, we'll get $6 billion in federal money over two years. So he splits the pot evenly between 2022 and 23. The best case scenario was $15 billion. Um, and if the $15 billion comes in, there's the possibility that a lot of the cuts put on the table right now would be reversed. So under the, the budget presented basically assumes the worst case scenario or the, the low end of the spectrum. So it includes all the cuts. And if the higher money comes in, there is an, an appropriation within the budget that would allow a lot of those cuts to be reversed. So what we're looking at for 2022 is a continuation of the 5% across the board cut um, in aid to localities. Now it's 5% in aggregate value, um, but it's not consistent by line items. Some line items are eliminated, some are not cut at all, some are cut 20%, some are cut 5%. Um, but the idea is it would be an aggregate about a 5% cut out of local aid. Um, and if you look at what counties received in 2019 in state aid, a 5% cuts about $160 million, somewhere in that ballpark. But it, as I said, it's inconsistent. Um, some things are completely eliminated, other things um, are, you know, not reduced at all. I do want to point out the way they've structured the 5% reduction this year is very different than what they did last year. Last year, the governor gave himself, well, the legislature provided authority so he could withhold funding as he felt necessary. And he felt it was necessary to hold 20% until the budget picture improved. So now he's only going to withhold 5%. The way they structured the 2022 budget is they actually cut the appropriations by 5% in the budget. So that's a lot different. That, that tells everybody, at least it tells me, that that becomes a permanent cut unless the legislature actively reverses it in statute. So it's a very different approach. The 5% cut is definitely happening because the appropriation authority has been reduced. Um, this gets into a lot of issues when you get into reimbursement programs like on the human services side. You know, we have an existing child welfare match of 62% in state aid. Well, now it's effectively 59% because he's taking 5% out of his side. So we, ha we have that, that big issue there um, about how the budget is structured. So there's a hard cut in there right out of the gate. If, as I said, if the 15 billion comes in in the federal money, um, then there's the possibility that these cuts could be reversed on an individual basis and there is an appropriation where they line out 10 or 12 different areas, including aid to local governments, public health spending, uh, education aid, and all sorts of other areas where the money could be spent. Uh, that $15 billion trigger, um, it's triggered by a date of if the money doesn't come in by August 5th or August 31st, 2021, that there could be additional cuts beyond the 5%. So there's multiple triggers in here. So we have something similar to what we had last year where funds could be withheld. We have a, a floor we know of, which is 5%. Uh, we just don't know what the ceiling is and all of it's dependent on, on, on federal resources coming into the budget. So at this point, um, I do wanna to highlight too that under any scenario, whether we get 15 billion, the 6 billion or something less, 
even the way the budget is structured today, we still have significant out year gaps. Um, you get out three, four, the third and fourth year of the financial plan, you're still looking at gaps approaching $10 billion, even after all these actions are taken. So there's, there's a lot of climbing out of the hole to do here still. Um, but there may be light at the end of the tunnel because some of the revenue picture is looking much better than people thought, but we'll see if that holds up and whether the federal aid comes through to help boost the economy. So I'm gonna turn it over to Ryan now to talk about some of the specific items uh, that we've been tracking in the budget. And uh, a lot of these we did present to DLB going back to September, and we we're glad that they, they accepted some of these ideas. So we're gonna let Ryan talk about that. We'll be right back to the discussion after this brief message from our sponsor. For over 40 years, Intellipure has been reimagining the world as a better, safer place with innovative air purification technologies. Their solutions are engineered in the USA and trusted everywhere air quality matters. Indoor air quality problems come in all shapes and sizes, and Intellipure's industry-leading patented disinfecting filtration system technology is currently being used in government facilities, hospitals, commercial office buildings, hotels, schools, universities, and many mission-critical environments around the globe. Sure, thanks, Dave. But just to rattle off a few, uh, a few highlights that DOB has included in the budget that are good for counties. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, one provision will grant counties permanent sales tax authority at your existing sales tax rates. Or if you are one of the few counties below 4% at 3%, you would have the authority to go up to 4% at local option, and then you would be locked in there. So that, that was a, that's a good positive action. Um, we really pushed this last year and the year before, I think Dave told me a few weeks ago, we've been pushing for this for like 15 years. So um, we're happy to see that included in the budget. We're gonna fight now to make sure that it stays in, in the enacted budget. There is also a provision to legalize recreational adult use cannabis. Our position at the association has been, if this occurs, we need the authority to apply our local sales tax on these transactions. That policy provision is included, is included in this budget proposal. So that's a good thing. Um, on, on, the, on the negative, the budget does continue to intercept $250 million in county sales tax per year for the distressed hospital fund. There is not a change in the sunset provision, which occurs in, uh, I think it sunsets March 31st, 2022. Um, and I can check on that again. But what this does is it, it essentially intercepts $200 million from New York City, $50 million from the counties outside of New York City for this distressed hospital pool. We've been advocating, requesting that this is postponed or eliminated for over a year now. And um, unfortunately, uh, the budget did include that. The budget, and Dave just mentioned this, does restore 15% of the 20% withhold for this current fiscal year. And going forward, the, the budget assumes on average, and each line is a little different in the budget, but on average about a 5% cut in aid to localities and various programs. 
the budget includes a provision to expand investment options to help counties better manage their resources. This was one of those recommendations that had been shared with us by, by counties. I think it came from the county treasurers. Um, excited to see that the, the budget included this. Um, I've got, I've received a couple questions from county officials on community colleges, what happened in the budget to community colleges. There is a reduction in state aid by $11 million, which is about 1.6%. And that's based on declining student enrollment, according to the division of budget. There was a provision, and this came out of one of our resolutions from the fall, out of the Children with Special Needs Committee. They had requested making telehealth a permanent option for services rendered to um, early intervention children. That was included in the budget. So that's, that's something that grants a little bit more flexibility for, for counties. The budget does continue the Regional Economic Development Awards at 750 million. Um, there's an, a proposal to legalize mobile sports gaming. On, on the other negative side, and we wanna highlight this, um, the, the governor in, in his budget eliminated VLT aid to municipalities except the city of Yonkers, which represents $9.3 million for 15 localities. Now this was included in last year's executive budget as well. Um, collectively, as a, as a team, all of us, NISAC and all of our counties, and, and NICOM as well, we really fought to get that as a legislative buyback, which again is what the strategy will be going forward this year. We will ask the legislature to restore that $9.3 million cut. There's um, a couple of modifications in human services. I won't highlight those. You can read more in our, our impact report. On the public safety side, I do wanna highlight two issues. Uh, there is a provision that allows counties, and this is going to be done through regulation, so there's no Article 7 or budget language speaking to this other than the governor's budget briefing book, but it will be done through regulation that will provide counties with the flexibility on jail staffing ratios um, to work with your county sheriffs as a county leaders to really reform how your jail staffing is set up. It, it sounds like SCOC will uh, reform the mandate and their role in that process. The other provision is the authorization to allow for shared jails for contiguous counties. So what that means is if, uh, and I'm using this as an example, if Sullivan County has extra capacity at their facility and maybe Orange County wants to enter into an agreement or an arrangement with Sullivan County to use a portion of their facility, this legislation would authorize the counties to enter into that, um, granting them greater flexibility. That's something that um, is another nice option at local discretion. So I wanted to highlight those things. Of course, there's there's many more in our in our more comprehensive budget document. But with that, um, that'll conclude my remarks. I'm going to turn it back over to you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in to hear more insightful interviews on policy and innovative solutions at the county level. And feel free to reach out to our staff if there is a topic you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast.